near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, John the Baptist recalled us to repentance calling us to repentance because we are called to prepare for the coming of the Lord, to be in the Lord's presence. And this week, given the Lord's presence is near in this letter to James, we're called to patience and perseverance. Patience and perseverance. Four times in this very short passage, we are called to be patient. Now, this patience is really more something like long-suffering or endurance, uh, suffering through and enduring and persevering in times of trials and troubles and challenges. So it's not just patience like, well, the line at the bank, you know, was a little long and I lost my patience. This is settling in to our faith and moving through the challenges of life. Too often, we think of patience as just something that we can do in and of ourselves, but that's not what is being called for here. What is being called for is the long-suffering, the patience, perseverance, and endurance through life's challenges, through its ups and downs, its pain, its heartache, all sorts of human challenges. And in order to do that well, we need to do it in the Lord's strength. And therefore, patience, this type of perseverance and long-suffering, is in fact a fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul. So patience and perseverance is united to faith, to hope, to love, to humility. It all works together because it is actually connected to the power and presence of God himself. Well, the root of patience and perseverance is, in fact, faith and trust. Faith and trust is the foundation of all of our Christian life, all of Christian virtues. In the letter to the Romans, Paul would say, the promise to Abraham and his descendants that they would inherit the earth did not come through the law, but rather through the righteousness of faith. The way that we relate to God, the way that we operate with God is faith and trust, faith and trust. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and believe in God. Jesus would say, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And if you can't do that, believe in the works that I do. So, faith and trust in God's goodness, in God's plan, in his salvation, and our participation and uh, final ending in that salvation is a part of all of this faith and perseverance. And finally, faith is in fact a gift of God. Faith and trust is a gift of God given to people who will receive it given to those who will accept it, given to those who are poor in spirit, who are pure in heart, who are open and receptive to receiving God 
and his word. And the person who was most open and receptive to receiving God's word is Mary. On the third Sunday of Advent, it is customary actually to highlight Mary. Uh, We just happen to fall into a year where we have John the Baptist for a second time in the gospel, and that's why I'm not referring to that gospel today. We are going to highlight Mary, and we know Mary's story, the angel Gabriel, which means the, the almighty power of God. The angel Gabriel comes to her and says, rejoice or hail, and that's why That pink candle is called the rejoice candle, the candle of joy, because of this greeting to Mary. So rejoice, favored one, or it could have been translated graced one, because that's what the Greek word is, grace. So rejoice, graced, or favored one, the Lord is with you. And Mary says, what type of greeting is this? And then, because it's Gabriel... And because it's an awesome thing to be in the presence of one of God's lead angels, uh, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. Well, he tells her what's going to happen, and she has a question. Well, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? And we know this story, so we're just highlighting. At the end of the encounter... The angel Gabriel says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. Let it be to me according to your word. And that is the receptivity of the Lord, the receptivity of the Lord's word, and the receptivity to the Lord's plan. She has no idea, honestly, how all of this is going to work. She's simply saying yes to God. And that's what we're called to say also, our yes to God. We are made in God's image, and part of that image is the fact that we are created with a dreadful freedom. We are created with true freedom. Freedom where we can receive the word of God, the presence of God, where we can connect our life with God's life and live in that love and trust and faith and walk with God, or we can turn away from God, or we can keep God way out uh, beyond the bounds where we don't really have many dealings with him unless we run into an emergency or something. But on a daily basis, some people just have their hands out and don't really want much to do with God. We have the freedom to be in communion with God or the freedom to just be in communion with ourselves, which is just another way of seeing, saying that we're trapped in ourselves and that trap only ends in death. And so Mary was seen as the one who is saying yes to God on behalf of all of humanity. And very early in the church, Irenaeus and Justin the Martyr, some of our earliest commentators after the apostolic times, the next generation, comment, in fact, that Mary is the new Eve. 
She's the new Eve that by her faith and trust and her obedience, she is overturning the disobedience of the original Eve. And we know that the original Eve in the Genesis story took that freedom that she was given and turned away from God and chose a type of deification that was false apart from God. But Mary, with her faith and trust and receptivity, she is the beginning of the new humanity and the new Adam is Christ. Because in Christ, a whole new humanity that has the capacity to be in communion with God, that freedom restored, sins forgiven, the new birth, all of these concepts, there's a new humanity that those who are in Christ are a part of. Well, that's all theological stuff, and I like that. I don't know if it makes much difference to you all. Uh, However, we are simply highlighting the fact that Mary is an example of faith and trust and receptivity to God. And so we can pattern ourselves after Mary's yes to God. Now, the way that this has to work, it has to work on a daily basis. Uh, There is something called the Proto-Evangelium of James. And this is an ancient document that uh, gives an account of Mary and Joseph and a whole number of things that are not in the scriptures. Now, we don't know exactly how much of this is true, but what it says about Mary is, is that she was from a very early age holy and devout, and that she actually spent most of her time at the temple, that she was a virgin, and that she was very a uh, holy and devout person. And so there's this sense that she is being prepared, and somehow over the course of her life, she was ready to say yes to God. And it wasn't that she just had a good day that day that the angel came and she said, yes, okay, go ahead. And on another day, she would have said, no, I don't, I don't want to be bothered with this. This is not, I don't have time for that. So uh, the way that we are receptive to God, the way that we are able to say yes to God, the way that our faith and trust builds is by daily decisions to be open, to say yes, to say thy will be done. And those daily decisions build up and they gain momentum and we become strong and our faith grows. And when we have a strong faith, then we can have patience and perseverance and endure the challenges of life. And that's really the only way it probably is going to work. If we're not consistent in strengthening our faith by saying yes to God, by saying thy will be done, by saying the Lord's Prayer in the morning and in the evening before we go to bed, by giving our day and our our appointment book to God and saying thy will be done to each and every appointment and engagement, if we're not doing that, we're simply facing life under our own resources And that is sure to be disastrous uh, uh, at worst and probably ineffective at best. Well, let's talk about another woman who had great faith. She is, in fact, a canonized saint in 
the Roman Catholic Church. But she struggled with her faith. And, of course, I'm talking about Mother Teresa. Did you know that letters of Mother Teresa have been published since her death, and they reveal a great struggle at certain times in her own heart and mind and life? Let me read you two small entries of Mother Teresa. In 1958, she wrote, My smile is a great cloak that hides a multitude of pains. People think that my faith, my hope, and my love are overflowing and that my intimacy with God and union with his will fill my heart. If they only knew. We're getting real now, aren't we? Yes. Later she writes in another letter, I feel that God does not want me that God is not God, that he doesn't really even exist. Not good days for Mother Teresa. But she was honest enough to say that there are certain days that I really struggle. There are certain days that I wonder about the whole thing. There are certain days when I have thoughts and feelings that don't match up with what I'm really doing. But what did Mother Teresa do? She didn't give up. She didn't say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw all this away. I'm coming back to America. I can eat well and have fun. No, she persevered and she stayed and she became a, sta- a, a saint. It is no different for us because we're called to persevere. We're called to remain faithful. We're called, even though we have these bad days, even though we might have uh, struggles and thoughts and feelings that don't match up with what we really believe, we're called to hang in there, and we can do that if we just simply don't give up. And we continue to ask God to be with us because trust and faith can actually grow. And if our trust and our faith grows, so can our patience and our perseverance and our long-suffering. Well, I want to close with two things. Uh, The first is the long form of the serenity prayer. I've mentioned this uh, a number of times, but it's so good I just can't resist to do it again. Everybody knows the first couple of lines of the serenity prayer. It's written by uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, and so this first few lines, everybody's heard this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But it continues, living one day at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you in the next. Amen. Isn't that a great prayer? That's a fantastic prayer. We could pray that prayer every single day. The great French artist Renoir spent 20 years in racking pain as he continued to paint. For 20 years, he was in great pain because of rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. 
And it said that as he was holding the brush, just trying to make those strokes, that the pain was so great that he would perspire and that tears would flow from his eyes because he was in such great, dire pain. They would set up a chair for him to get up into because he really couldn't stand and paint any longer. And one of his disciples, the artist Matisse, would actually say to him, Master, why do you do this? Why don't you just quit? Why do you torture yourself? And this is what Renoir said as he gazed at one of his favorite paintings. He said, the pain passes, but the beauty remains. The pain passes, but the beauty remains. His endurance... His long-suffering, his moving through that pain led him to the place to know that the beauty is going to remain even though the pain is not going to be forever. So the pain passes, but the beauty actually remains. What a motto for our life in Christ. All of us have to go through periods of pain, of heartache, of grief, of troubles, of things that we simply can't even probably affect. But we move through them knowing that the beauty will remain. God is still good. His plan of salvation is still moving forward. His promises are sure. And because we live and are connected with him, because every day we are saying, Thy will be done, and let it be according to your word for me, we can continue on. We can make it through those times of pain, of heartache, which we all must. So let us say with Mary, our great example of yes to God, that it would be according to the word of the Lord for each of us, that we would receive the Lord and his word, that his will would be done. Amen.